0: Welcome to the Canine Classroom, a podcast for dog owners, professionals, and sports enthusiasts where we discuss training, behavior issues, sports, and everything in between. We're three friends and colleagues who share a passion for dogs, and although we have many similarities, we also have many differences in our training styles and the methods we practice. We're here to have open conversations, ask questions, get answers, as well as hear from colleagues and experts in the industry. So take a seat and get your notepad out because class is in session. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canine Classroom. I'm your host, Anthony DiMarinus, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Stephanie Rayner and Vinny Viola. Hello, guys. How you doing? What's going on? What's up? Not too much. How's the puppy treating you?
1: He's doing good. He's big. He's already like 43 pounds, only five months. He is big. Yeah, big (laughs) boy.
0: Actually, I saw the video today uh, posted on Instagram compared to uh, one of your other dogs.
1: Yeah, he's uh, just as tall as Spencer now. The Spencer, that's who it was, yeah. But he's a lot skinnier. But Mm. he's going to be bigger than him soon. Blue's still got a couple of inches on him. Oh, okay. How about you? What's going on with your puppy?
0: Not much. She bit my hand today. We're playing Uh tug, and she missed the tug. She got Anthony. (laughs) We'll (laughs) see. (laughs) <laughs> Whoopsies! Hey,
1: tug, tug does cause aggression, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, good topic to start on. Good topic to start on. Does does tugging cause aggression? Who wants to start that one? Oh man,
1: yeah, I've been uh, looking at tug lately because Zim just got over his his teething, so I've been adding it to his repertoire. Um, what, what do you guys do in the beginning with with tug?
2: Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I start, I started right away. Um, I've had quite the journey with my dogs over the years. Um, and I've worked really hard to teach my dogs how to tug, um, in the agility world, it's this kind of like common misconception that like, if your dog doesn't like to tug, then they're not going to be driving in the sport, which down to not actually be true, but, uh, but yeah, I got this border collie, um, my five-year-old border collie, I believe, who it took me seven months to teach her how to tug. She did not oh, like Wow, to tug really? That first. long? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, somebody had suggested to me um, to put a chicken wing in a sock, which for you guys, as a vegan, uh, that didn't fly well with me. <laughs> but uh, But yeah, it took me seven months and I just kind of like, let it be her her choice and i slowly built her up and now i have this uh year and a half old english cocker spaniel who still does not love to tug but you know we're slowly wait so to be
1: clear you you went with the chicken wing method and it works
2: uh i did not i went with the uh, soy the long, some soy socks the long, the long tug toy that was like covered <laughs> in uh some animal fur uh,
1: oh yeah, yeah <laughs> it was a
2: gift so um,
0: okay but yeah yeah, stuff, I, like i wouldn't have got it otherwise would not
2: have, would not have bought it or you know supported chicken
1: it. wing Why, too much imagine. so i just skinned a whole animal and tied it to a <laughs> string and then and then that was fine <laughs> and
2: that got her pretty excited about tugging but okay um,
1: interesting. But yeah i'm all
2: for it i like it i think it's a nice way to connect with your dog and to reward your dog so yeah i'm on so the i think it.
1: um you know me personally i've i've had dogs that i've always usually enjoyed tugging so i'm interested um to hear some of the things you worked on in the beginning, maybe like, did you not work on drop it for a while? Did you rather work on like the dog bringing it to you? What, what kind of stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Um, definitely did not teach drop it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, as soon as she showed any sort of engagement, I would just literally take it from her. And then I would like you know, pretend that I was having a big old party and be like, oh, you want to get your toy? Oh yeah. Yeah. You really want to. Get- oh, okay. Yeah. And then I'd like give uh-huh. it back to her and nice. I let her do all the tugging initially, um, any sort of, um, you know, mouth on toy, um, any sort of pulling, um, I would either just take it from her right away or I'd let her win it and, um, let her think that she was hot stuff. So
0: yeah. Now let and me ask just- a question on that. Do you, when you're tugging, uh, with your dog or especially with a puppy, If the puppy lets go of the tug, do you remove it and then start over again or, or start over whatever you're planning on doing uh, next?
2: That's a good question. Um, What do you mean by remove
0: it? So like with, with my dogs, for example, whenever I introduced tug, we would tug, we would tug. I, I wasn't introducing drop it right away, but if the puppy let go of the toy, Then I would just kind of pull it up towards me or off to the side or whatever. And then maybe we would start, we would start over whatever we're doing, whether we were doing a training exercise or we were like in class with you. If Mm -hmm. I was tugging and then Journey would let go of the toy, all right, we're going to start whatever we were just doing again, whether it was going back to the jump or going through the tunnel. So I was just curious if like it's something that you, tend to do with your own dogs
2: yeah for sure I mean I think I would I would always suggest stop before the dog does so if you're working on building toy drive if you don't have a dog that doesn't have a ton to begin with keep the session really short so any sort of engagement with the toy immediately take away the toy you know progress on to whatever you were trying to teach um, and keep your sessions really really short so yeah I would I would take away the toy but I' try to try to stop it before they choose yeah. to end. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. I mean, I'm like, I run away with it for sure. <laughs> if that dog drops the toy, I'm like running away with the toy. Hopefully that dog's coming at me and I try to keep it going a little bit longer so that I could end it. If I was in a situation where I made the session go too long and now I have a dog that's kind of done with tugging. Yeah.
2: I'm curious, uh, cause you're in the, the bite sport world. Is there Is there anything you would do different to build, to build toy drive?
1: Well, I got to first say I'm a complete noob in the bike sport world, so I don't want to speak on it. So, so, so I guess the thing I'm doing (laughs) differently is I'm being careful to um, do too much right now. I I think the quality is going to be more important than the quantity so most of the bite stuff that I have been doing with my puppy has been with the coaches that I'm mm-hmm. trusting uh, with that right now.
0: Yeah, I think um, this is an interesting topic because especially someone like me, where the majority of my work is with dogs with uh, behavior issues and aggression, I think this is a topic that comes up a lot, that a lot of dog owners feel tugging is going to increase or cause aggressive behavior to occur. And I'm sure many of you guys have also noticed that with puppy clients as well, that people are too nervous or afraid because they might hear from their friends or read on online. And we know how much garbage is online, right? So so like how you know how many times do we hear over and over again that, you know, oh, I, I'm not talking with my dog because it's causing aggression, but or it can cause aggression. But the reality is that's not the case. In fact, uh from what it sounds like we're all saying it can actually increase a relationship and a connection between you and your dog more than what people are thinking just oh it can it can cause aggressive behavior sure your dog could resource guard be possessive over that that toy but generally speaking that's not something that's necessarily going to pop up in in tugging unless your dog you know, may have more of a severe guarding issue, or has issues around very valuable uh, toys. Yeah, so I
1: will say, playing tug with an aggressive dog is obviously dangerous. So when I when I go to a client's house and they say, "Oh, my dog growls when I'm playing tug," is that normal? I do want to actually be smart about it and, of course, yeah, figure out. Yeah, this dog is just playing, and then once I know that. Yeah, I mean tug is a great arena to teach a dog when to bite something, when to let go of something, and then it also gives us another way to reward a dog that's that's sometimes better and more valuable to them than just food.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think it good, you know, it's a good point to just clarify if the dog is already <laughs> displaying aggressive <laughs> yeah. behaviors, you know, then yeah. yes, then that's where there's, you know, a problem or that it could become a problem, but it's not generally something that's going to uh, cause that behavior to happen, unless the dog's already displaying those issues, or unless yeah, and it's also you have you're to being be... a little bit of a jerk of, of some kind that's causing a problem to appear, make yeah. feel uncomfortable.
1: And I think something that. That's important, too, is building up that um, training the dog to understand that there is a start and an end to these sessions. And there has to be some boundaries and rules in place, because to be fair, I've I've seen it and I see it regularly. You play tug with a dog and then you put the tug toy away and the owner starts talking to me about something else. And now the dog is in tug mode. And next thing you know, is jumping up and biting an arm or biting a leg not Mm -hmm. aggressively so then you know to these clients it seems like wow you know i started playing tug and now the dog came inside and is biting my toddler or is grabbing my shirt so you can see where it kind of comes from um but once you you build that you know like look we're playing tug right now and now we're done playing tug and then how do you um work a dog down when they are getting very you know because they can they could get a heightened state when they're playing a game like tug
0: how do you end it? Because I know for me, like when, I, when I'm when i ending some arousing type of activity with my dogs, generally, I want to kind of bring them back down to neutral. And that might be either doing something more relaxing, like going for a walk or coming in and bringing them to their dog bed. And here you go. Here's like a chew to go chew on and, and settle down with a little bit. So what do you guys do on that topic?
2: Um, well, I mean, I, (laughs) I'm, uh, typically working with dogs that need to be worked up. So I'm usually, uh, I'm usually leaving the dogs wanting more. Um, but I, I do agree. Like now that I'm at the point with my own dogs where, um, they get easily worked up because they see the value in the tech joy. Um, when I'm ending the session, like you said, we go for a walk or something like that. Um, I let them be dogs, sniff the sniffs. All that good stuff.
1: I do have a uh, clear, clear signals to my dogs before and after I do something like tug and I'll, I'll start implementing them early on in lower, um, not as exciting situations. So something as simple as petting them, right? I might say ready and pet them a little bit. I might even slowly rough has them, not crazy. And then at the end, I'll say something like enough and then I'll mm-hmm. just simply stop petting them. With a puppy, I will, you know, follow that by... Feeding him his food in the crate and then shutting him down like that, or or giving him the Kong and frozen stuff in there. So I'm I'm using it a lot in smaller situations before I'm just like having a 20 minute tug session yeah. with like you know blood on the toy and spit everywhere, <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, enough. And then like the dog is like in the middle of the yard, like right oh my by god, now, so like yeah. So so I'm like More. explaining to the dog what those words mean um, in yeah. situations that are that are calmer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So definitely like you guys kind of, it sounds like you do the same. Like I'll have you use enough. I say all done. Mm. So usually like I have a a word that just kind of cues the dog to say we're done with that. And then I'll do some activity, whether it's we're going in and we're going to go into the playpen area or on your dog bed. And I'll give you something to chew on just to kind of come back down. For sure. For sure. Well, on that topic of puppies, now I'm kind of curious. Since we all kind of have recent experience with puppies of our own, what are some of the skills or first things actually more important than maybe skills? What are one of the first things that you guys like to do with your puppies when you first bring them home?
1: I mean, first night, first week even is just I wanna to get to know this dog. I wanna figure out, you know, what are they like? What are they maybe scared of? What makes them nervous? What makes them comfortable? Um, I wanna set up the environment. I, I I have the crate already set up. I have the food, the toys, all that stuff is ready. And um, obviously no obedience, no, you know, maybe if anything, I put some food in my hand and lure around and get the dog just following me, just making them comfortable. And that's really my first, you know, first couple of days, at least. What about you, Steph? Yeah, for me,
2: me, it's really just getting them acclimated to my lifestyle. Um,
0: Oh, that's a good one. Okay. That
2: means um, more time than I would like to admit uh, in a crate because I'm teaching for hours on end, um, you know, getting in a car uh, and driving around because we travel quite a bit maybe just like a little bit of you know like don't dodge out of the crate as soon as soon as I open the door some kind of like lifestyle uh or um yeah like lifestyle tricks and stuff like that you know don't yeah. don't dodge out the front door or anything like that or um you know put this leash on or like when I grab your collar uh you get a cookie because that's gonna be a good thing because it means we're gonna put the leash on and we're gonna go outside so you don't have that that dog that avoids putting the leash on um that kind of stuff but Yeah. Yeah. Just, and just letting them be a dog and that sort of a thing. I mean, this is the time really to be teaching them because they're like little sponges. So you want them to be learning all the good things, um, but not putting any pressure on it because they're just little puppies and they don't know anything yet. So not really having too many expectations for what to expect your first week.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. A lot of, I still get like where, I don't really work with puppies too much anymore with my clients, but you'll hear the old school things of, oh, it's, you know, we have to wait until the dog's six months old, but that's so not true. We could start teaching our puppies when we get them at at eight weeks old, coming home from the breeder or from the shelter or the rescue that you're getting your puppy from. Like we could start right away. Those like puppies, like you said, they're, they're, uh, they're little sponges what I really like to do a lot of times is I'll just get on the floor with the puppy and take the toys out and I'll make them alive. I might run away. I love teaching the name, uh, the name response right away. And that could just be like kind of making a sound or something and then calling the puppy by its name, running away with the toy, letting the toy become alive and the puppy like bounces all over it and gets all silly. And, and I really enjoy also going like, you know, to large spaces and kind of having maybe a long line on the puppy. And as long as it's a secured area, I'll, I'll let the puppy kind of run around, explore things like that, kind of socialize to the environment and get exposed to the environment a little. And, you know, depending on the puppy and how focused they are, I might even start like just kind of calling their name and running away a little bit. So they come chasing after, and I'll reward the heck out of them, whether that's food or, Or, you know, I'll bring the toy out with me and I'll just start dragging it around, you know, and playing with them. Yeah. And
2: and kind of on that note, like, oh, I forgot who it is. We'll have to look it up. But there's someone who has this puppy protocol um, and she basically says between like a certain window, you should... Take them outside alone, especially if you are in like a multi-dog household. Um, if you have the luxury of a fenced a in backyard, great. If not, you know, just on a long line or something, but take them out by themselves and don't even have cookies on you just teach them kind of the value of checking in with you. So like you literally just let them go sniff and be a dog um, and you just kind of ignore them. And every time they run over and look for you, like, Hey mom, dad, you praise the the heck out of them. So they learn the value in seeking you out. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I have video. I think it's on my YouTube channel. I have, I have video of quest when she was 14 weeks old, I brought her to um, Asheville, North Carolina. And Mm. I don't know, maybe it was a little gutsy of me, but we went to like this park that was huge. I mean, it's just open space and she was on her long line. And I was like, all right, we're going off leash, walking around, hiking this, this park together. And every time she checked in, praise the heck out of that, you know? And this, I have so much video footage of it because she just like, she'll run, she'll run however far away. And then she'd look back to make sure I was there. Um, I, I will say though, like I was occasionally running away from her every once in a while to get her to come back just to make it a fun little experience and to start teaching some of that, that name response and recall response. But that's, that's just me. I mean, everyone's got their own little things that they like to do.
1: Yeah, actually this puppy, I came full circle, um, and was using a flexi leash again. Something I thought I would never, I would never utilize. Yeah, I saw that on your, I saw that I, on yeah, your I yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like fifteen years ago, it was the first leash I got. You know, before <laughs> I knew anything, and then probably seven or eight years ago, I would have told you that it was the worst thing to ever put on your dog. <laughs> and then here I am walking down the street with this dog on a, you know, back clip harness and a flexi leash. People are probably like, who is this guy? He doesn't even know what he's doing. And it was neon it,
0: green if I remember no treats,
1: correctly. No treats on me, you know, like not not because I was trying to not use food, but I really wanted um, I really wanted my puppy to experience the environment more. I feel like with my last dog, I, I went out with like, you know, all the the happy Howie's and the the fresh yeah. pet and all the stuff. and the dog was just completely s- zoned in on me and my food that he was yeah. not really taking in. So you know, I'd have some treats on me, but I wasn't making the focal point. and um, I I would get down. Getting low for a puppy, at least for me is a good way to get them to kind of run in without even having to call. So I would just kind of make a noise and get low and give them some pets and then stand up and let them, let them go explore again. And I think that was, that was really great and something I would have, you know, done sooner.
0: It's funny. You just said, you just said uh, how, how you kind of, you don't really use the food too much. And it's so interesting because I have found from when I first started training all the way to now, like as you kind of develop as a professional, like how, much I've changed. And I, I watch some of my friends who they overuse the food I feel like, and Mm -hmm. they bombard the puppy with everything. Like the dog picked up a freaking mask, leave it alone. Like it's Mm -hmm. not the end of the world unless the puppy's trying to ingest that thing or, Oh, the puppy picked up a leaf or a twig. So many people get so overbearing with it. And all you're doing is you could potentially teach your puppy to become possessive of that item. You could teach your puppy to come become more avoidant of you for sure. And you could even teach the puppy. Oh, well, this thing must be really valuable. So maybe I need to start picking those things up more because it's causing, you know, some reaction or response of some kind from the owner. And I just find like, like when I got quest, I mean, people were still heavily wearing masks um, Mm -hmm. from the pandemic and, she would find a mask on the street and like she would throw that thing in the air. She'd be prancing (laughs) around like a goofball and whatever, like leave it alone. Like, I don't care that she's, she's running around with that thing. And guess what? We'd walk five feet, 10 feet, 20 feet. She'd spit it out and she'd go find something else or go sniff and explore. And it wasn't a big deal. And now when we pass one, maybe sometimes she'll still pick it up and play because she's a goofball. And other times she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. So I think like, that's such a, that's such, I think an important point about like, sometimes just letting your dog be a dog and not be so overbearing or, or overusing the food when uh, there's things in the environment, like let the dog get exposed, let the dog see what's going on and take that information in as long as it's a positive experience and not like the puppy's not like overly scared or freaking out and something like that, but.
1: Yeah. So like one of my first walks, I, I we I only went like three or four houses down um, and everything was going great. And then there was the dreaded dog with the electric fence, you know, oh. snarling <laughs> at the edge of the lawn, you know, going back and forth. And and obviously Zim got extremely, you know, alert and he was like, what's that? And it turned into this thing where, you know, I was like, huh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And that's where I decided to you know, take out some treats, make you know, throw some food on the floor. I didn't ask him to do anything or look at mm. me. I didn't say his name. I just like boom, boom, boom. And then I got out of there. Um, and it was fine, you know, like so I would interject it at certain times. Um, but otherwise just kind of let him be, just let him kind of take in everything.
0: It made me just think of my first walk. I was upstate with my puppy. I stayed up there for like two days when I went to pick her up at my friend's place and we <laughs> we went hiking with. My friend's dogs and they got a puppy too. And my puppy was not a fan of their puppy, uh-uh. flipped him right over and let him <laughs> know, like, we are not friends. And I was like, yep. I remember texting Stephanie. I was like, I think I got the wrong one. (laughs) Um, I was debating. I was like, oh, we're the right one. (laughs) I need to leave this dog up here now. Like what a disaster. (laughs) Like this dog just flipped that other puppy over. That isn't good.
2: So funny. It's so funny what we do with the different puppies too. And the different breeds, like had border collies, many border collies over the years. And um, they can be a little bit on the shyer side. And so I think people like to, get them out and, um, you know, make sure that they're well socialized with people and dogs. And then I got the cocker Spaniel and (laughs) I was basically doing the complete opposite, teaching her kind of from day one, like, don't go say hi to the person until I tell you, you can go say hi to the person because she could, I could like easily see that turning into her just leaving me in the agility ring to go say hi to somebody because she's a social little butterfly. So it's just different what you do with the different breeds too. and yeah, the different fun. dogs, I mean, they're all different. Yeah, right?
1: like I going from a Labrador to a Malinois, I'm like walking around and I feel like my puppy already is like light years ahead of my lab in terms of like like I could take him to a parade with like a thousand people and he'll just walk by my side and look at me and it's like blue I probably still couldn't do that and he's you know he's like (laughs) eight years old he just wants to be friends with everyone so yeah it's super interesting to see how they you know act differently I feel like uh, something that I did, you know, eight weeks old, I was already doing like sits and downs and stay. It was like immediate, just right into obedience. Tons of obedience. I had the the box, the Apple box teaching him to do heal. And um, I feel like with with Zim, I've been going much slower. I've been kind of breaking things down um, smaller and working on, you know, the first couple of weeks he was with me, like just luring, just teaching him the markers, like separate from even a behavior. So just saying good and delivering a treat to his face, saying yes and getting him to chase my hand for, for food, saying get it and tossing a treat on the floor and having training sessions where I would wa- work on something like a marker the you know by itself independent of of something like a sit or a down or, or eye contact at at like nine ten weeks old so I'm wondering you know when so the dog is in your house now it's comfortable crate training obviously is is number one um now that you have all that in place what are your structured training sessions in the beginning kind of looking like when your dog is maybe say 10 to 14
0: weeks old Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question.
2: Really good. Honestly,
0: my puppy quest. So I have two Kelpies is my puppy quest is very different from my adult dog journey. When he was a puppy, he would knock out and crash. Like after being awake for an hour Mm -hmm. Quest was the energizer bunny running around. She would be the type who would go and just go and go. If I let her stay up for four hours, she would have done it. So honestly, our structured time was a lot of relaxation. And um, if like I was working at home, working with clients virtually or doing some other like admin stuff, um, working at home, she was learning to chill out on a mat, whether that was in a playpen next to my feet, which is a thing I do a lot. Uh, in the beginning or even tethering her. So that way she started learning to settle and relax. And that was all like, just kind of the lazy approach it was just using a bone or some chew of some kind, let her keep busy. And, and sometimes I would reinforce her calm behavior as she was chewing, um, just hanging out there. So that was a big one for me. Honestly, I, I real aside from like crate training and um, pen training, I was definitely just teaching a lot of like relaxation. This is how we're living together in the house and uh, she wanted to really constantly play with, with journey. And so I was um, it was really important to me that she didn't learn like, Oh, it's just, it's fine to just tear it up around the house and zoom around and start, you know, playing and, and all this stuff. Like she needed to learn like how to coexist with me and journey. Um, So that was, that was honestly the most important thing for, for quest, because I think at the end of the day, like each of our dogs is an individual, right? So like journey is different than quest. And so teaching each of them based on where they're at or what we need for them is very important. So kind of customizing that. So like for journey, I mean, he just like he came here and he would fall asleep in the middle of the floor. I've never seen Quest do that ever. The only like she needed what I call like structured nap time, mm-hmm. which some of my clients like their dogs need that. You need it yeah. your dog needs a structured nap. So, okay, you've it's been up for an hour. Okay, let's go put that puppy away now and and help that puppy make a good choice to go take a nap. Whether that means like here, you need a Kong toy to chew on for 15 minutes and then you'll fall asleep. Or maybe you just put them in that space and close the door and, and the puppy may end up crashing on its own. But I think that, I think that's really, really important for some puppies.
1: For sure. Developing that off switch type of yeah. thing. Um, and then you also bring up your other dog. So I too have um, two other dogs in the house and um, Zim, Zim, especially likes to play with Spencer, my pit bull. I was curious as to how you, how you stop them from playing. Do you, do you just separate them? Um, do you try to stop them while they are playing? Do you interrupt their play? What are you looking for when you interrupt it? And and what do you do if they don't um, mm. listen to you?
0: <laughs> I That's funny. Cause you know, like that's one of those questions where, I have to actually think about that because I think sometimes I don't realize that I'm doing certain things, to be very uh-huh. honest. And uh-huh. we were actually talking about that before we started. Uh, yeah, podcast, kind of like interrupting. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I definitely will interrupt certain things. Quest is definitely pushy. And mm-hmm. so, if she was being, and, and Journey's not the type to set a boundary necessarily in certain scenarios, he will but he is not the best at setting boundaries or, or rules with another dog. So Mm -hmm. when I need to step in, I'll step in. And that might be either interrupting and getting the puppy or, or the adult dog to move away. Whoever I feel needs to be uh, moved away, or that might actually be going in and removing the puppy Mm -hmm. myself, Mm -hmm. whether that's like picking them up and removing them, or if I can't, if I can't just go in and, and interrupt it because they're just zooming around or just in the heat of the moment. Then I'll go in and remove the puppy at that point and and end it there if I feel like the puppy's causing a problem. Almost like uh, in a way, almost like a little timeout or just a breather for a second, just to like take a chill for a quick sec. So so yeah, that's generally what I do. I'm trying to think what else I do honestly, but but I don't remember. Uh, I, I'd have to think about that. I kind of just react in that situation based on what's going on. But I will say like with them, it was very controlled. So mm-hmm. it was not when, cause they would have played with each other all day long because that's how they are. So I, I wouldn't, that was something I wasn't allowing, especially in my house because they just play so rough. I didn't want them destroying the house. So it was when I felt it was appropriate. And a lot of times that was initially outside because they're just going to zoom around the house and destroy it. What about you? What have you been finding?
1: So I think I used to underestimate how quickly a dog or dogs could actually be sidetracked, right? Just interjecting with a little bit of an interruption, like with two dogs playing, for example, they don't always just go right back, you know, to what they were mm-hmm. doing. So I feel like I would in the beginning, I would try to just gently whether it just be like my body pressure, just like walking over and separating them um, or getting the puppy distracted by something, even food or a toy. Um, Like you said, I could, I had a leash on him in the beginning. I could just gently, you know, pull him away and and give him a full shutdown in his crate. But, but now I'm kind of where I'd like to be, where I can let them just play and then I can just tell them, you know, enough, enough type of deal. And that's where, you know, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning with things like tug teaching the dogs when they can expect to do certain things and when they have to settle.
0: So I was actually going to ask you to kind of explain maybe a little bit for one, I'm curious, but two, maybe for some of the audience who maybe doesn't understand, like what were you doing to teach your dog the, what the word enough means Uh, for that situation. Like, what did you, how did you introduce that? Um, Like, I will say like one of the things that I was doing with my puppy was with this puppy, this is the first one I did this with. So it was kind of like a little bit of a trial and error basis, but like when she was not taking the signals well, especially when my adult dog was starting to avoid or tell her that's enough I would go in and I would remove her. And I would say a word that meant like for that, it was, uh, it was all done. So when I said all done, I would go, I would remove her and I would actually put her in her playpen to take a breather for a second. So what ended up happening was over time, after repeating that a few times, she started to learn, like when I walked over there and I said, that's enough, um, or all done, excuse me. She would, uh, she would just, go wander off. And I didn't need to put her in her playpen necessarily, but she would just know, okay, I'm just going to move away and, and take Mm -hmm. a break for a few seconds.
1: So I have I've been noticing that I actually tend, and I, and I've done this for a while, but I just wasn't aware of it. I tend to have two, I have two signals. I, I I'll say enough when I basically want my dog to stop doing a thing Mm -hmm. And I say all done when I want to signal to my dog that I'm done giving them some type of a reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm petting my dog and then I stop petting them and then he like puts his head on my lap and is bothering me, I'll say something like all done. Right. So it basically means I'm not petting you anymore. Right. But if if my dog is persistently trying to play with another dog, I'll say something like enough. So another example is when I'm done training, and I'm about to put my food away, I'll be like, all done, like, it's more of like a positive, like, it's it's done now like the food is gone the toy is gone enough is more like hey enough like (laughs) okay cut it cut that out right and and what I what I do it like what I did it with with Zim actually in the beginning was was he was coming out of the crate like launching into my legs like bite like biting like fighting hard right and i did all the stuff that like we like i tell people to do like oh just you know don't push him off and act calm and try to divert his attention to a treat or something like that but like that doesn't work finny a little a little malinois puppy (laughs) that came out of the crate from the airport like biting into my leg i was like wow this is different um So, you know, I just focused on stopping the dog from doing the thing that they're doing in like a gentle way, but like also enough to stop him. So in terms of like him biting into my leg, like to save my leg and all of my pants, because I had to buy like all new pairs of pants and I couldn't (laughs) afford to just keep buying a new pair of pants every time I took him out of my crate, Um, I would just, you know stop my leg make it go very still hold on to him and still his head so he couldn't shake it and I would just say enough until he let go and then as soon as he let go I stopped and then he would launch right back into my leg and I would do the same thing so again it's just like for me enough is kind of just stopping the dog from successfully doing the thing that he's doing in the moment Mm -hmm. um is that making sense for you guys yeah Yeah, I was
0: gonna say kind of like kind of like I I have one word means like I'm giving you a timeout. The other one means we're finished with that. Kind of mm-hmm. like what you're saying. So you have you mm-hmm. have words that mean different things. They may sound the same, but you have specific things that that means for for your dogs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Steph?
2: Yeah. I was just gonna say, I've, have, I've have two similar markers. Like one is, um, that'll do, which is at the end of our training sessions, we're done. We're not going to be playing anymore. comes from the hurting world. Uh, and then the other is mainly in the house when believe is pestering me and throwing her tennis ball at me saying, please play, please play. I just say, go chill, which means go away, yeah. go lie down, entertain yourself. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah, be yeah. throwing this tennis ball for you. Otherwise yeah. we'll be here all night. So,
1: yeah. So I guess with what, what some people, um, because I want to make it clear, like, one of the things that I see clients do, or, you know, is they, they attribute a lot of the power to the words, right? So they'll, they'll listen to you talking, and then they'll go home, and they'll be like, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do. And then like, there's no follow up, you know, so, so I guess I'm curious to know, uh, maybe Stephanie, what, what you do. So say you say, you say, that not, maybe not that'll do what is the one in the house go chill out you uh, say? go
2: chill yeah go, go chill. chill
1: so what happens yeah. if your dog doesn't then um at that point what would you that's,
2: that's a good question because i'm guilty of having that's to say for a, it different that's for
1: a different <laughs> podcast that's a different podcast i'm guilty of having to say it maybe
2: more than one time because believe can be pretty persistent with her little chocolate ball um Really, I just ignore her. And if she gets really persistent, I'll just nicely like guide her to her dog bed and be like, okay, this is where you should be right now. Go to your place and entertain yourself here. Um, so yeah, just trying to like you said, they don't necessarily respond to the to the verbal cues because dogs don't speak English, right? There yeah. has to be <laughs> there has to be some sort of a behavior or body language associated with what you're saying. So I will I really try to say go chill in a very calm voice and literally act chill myself ignore her all that good mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i'm not like go chill yay like i really mean to the ball because we're gonna play
0: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> so, for sure yeah
0: it just kind of made me think about redirecting behavior i found with quest i definitely did not redirect her behavior because she is the type of dog who will learn a behavior chain I mm-hmm. she like you know like what you were kind of describing with Zim. You come out hot, you grab onto my legs. I ask for a hand target, or you know I do some other redirection, and then the dog's going to learn that chain of events where I'm come okay, out, I'm every time I the go, hand, and
1: I'm going to bite you in the back of the leg. Yeah, yeah
0: every time I I yeah. grab you your pants, I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. get a treat because you're going to ask me for a hand target, and mm-hmm. and it just creates this behavior chain, and I I found that with quest i definitely did not do that like she was because she's so persistent i definitely had to i definitely had to create more rules and structure with her where i was either trying to be a few steps ahead of her so she wasn't doing something or Mm -hmm. i would just immediately end it if something Mm -hmm. was happening because of just how persistent Uh, She becomes. So that was one thing. And I find a lot of times it's hard with clients because sometimes things like timeouts or removing a puppy, depending on what that looks like for, for each of you, that could be a good thing. And then sometimes that can backfire because the puppy can learn timeouts and all that stuff is horrible to them. And they'll start being avoidant or something like that. Whereas other clients, like I was just out one yesterday at a behavior case and they did so much redirecting of behavior that the dog just learned to be more demanding and ask for attention and, and beg, you know, and, and it turned out they were constantly redirecting the dog, redirecting the dog. So all it was mm-hmm. doing was go to your bed, getting a treat, coming back over, barking at the dinner table, go to your bed, getting a treat. And it just created this chain yep. of events back and forth, back and forth.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I, you brought up the going to your bed thing. That was something I did with my lab a ton. And it did not make him calmer. It did not help when people came over it. He you would tell him to go to the bed when someone would come over and he would go there like a lightning bolt. And then I would release him to go say hi to the people. And it would be like, launching at them like an agility trial and like rebounding off of them and coming back to me like I was like the, you know that's that's you know the way that I've taught the the greetings at the door and all of that stuff is has totally changed because of what you're saying if you do too much redirection too too much of that it's crazy loops crazy loops and then the dog is getting more pumps and then there's food involved and if you have a dog that the food makes them more excited now it's like all over all over the place. But at the same time, you know, back to my example with Zim coming out of the crate, or even with tug, sometimes in the moment, like what you have to do to stop the dog like is changing, like it's fluid. So with tugging, it happens all the time is like, maybe, maybe we need to use the leash, or maybe the dog's on my leg, right? And he's biting into my pants, like I hold on to a leash, so I can get him away from me, right? Now he gets away from me, and I'm holding on to the leash, but then now the dog is playing tug with the leash. And you know, I see this all the time. So now it's like, I have, then, then you're telling the client, let go of the leash. And they're like, you just told me to pick up the leash and now I have to drop it. It's like, yeah, because like the picture has changed for this dog now. Like first the dog was going at you and jumping on you. So you had to use the leash to get him off and tell him like enough. But now the dog is in a tug session. So now you have to drop the leash. You know what I mean? Like you have to constantly change and you got to see like, what is reinforcing the dog right now? And then how do I just kind of put an end to that? And you can do that in a way that's not... You know, it's not like super punishing. You're not abusing your dog. You don't have to use any type of like a physical punisher. You're just stopping. You're just stopping them, um, and especially with a puppy. So I don't know if that sounds different from what you guys are doing, or you know, you ever just just stopping the puppy from doing something. And I feel like there's, I personally don't think there's something wrong with that or anything wrong with that. Rather, um, you know, with Zim, I need, I needed to do something like that. Otherwise, you know, he was gonna be biting into my legs for, forever. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think mm-hmm. it depends on. The, I it's definitely dependent on the dog's personality for sure. Yeah. What do you think, Steph?
2: No, I thought that was a a perfect way to tie it all in. <laughs> uh, so the moral of the story is that tugging does not create aggression. And it could <laughs> yeah. be it could be a really fun positive way to reward your dog and also to teach them about. Uh, rules and boundaries and, you know, when it's acceptable to do this kind of a behavior and when you should do this kind of a behavior.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Canine Classroom. If you like the show, make sure to smack that like button, share the show with your friends and give us a rating. Until next time, class dismissed.